It's a very special edition of Kill Me Now. I'm so fucking excited. I'm so excited. I know our guest from my previous life as a wife. Well, we weren't legally married, uh, but we <laughs> both lived in the same complex here in Provincetown. You might know her not from Provincetown. Uh, you might know her from the greatest book ever written, Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor, privilege, I am humbled to welcome the one and only Mary Trump is here, everyone! Woo! Hi, guys. Um, Mary, um, I fucking love you. I loved you before, but I just want to say, so first of all, the, the podcast is Kill Me Now, and I, I, we're both having a Kill Me Now kind of day. So <laughs> yes. I here's my Kill Me Now moment for today is that I got this thing to hand, hang the pots and pans, you know, like, cause uh, there's no fucking space in here. Chef's rack. Yeah, whatever. You're, you have more words than I do. All <laughs> right. So I got, you have the best, that's when your book came out. You know what I tweeted? Mary Trump has the best words. <laughs> uh, so I got this thing so I can hang all the pots and pans and act like I really am a chef. Anyway, so my <laughs> friend Kate, who lives across the playground it is like, oh, yeah, I can help you with that. And like, do you have a drill? And so I said, yeah, I got the drill. Anyway, she puts it up and I'm like, wait, I have to put the things to hang the pots off. You know, the S loops and they didn't fit right. And I look at the cover and she installed it upside down. Okay, <laughs> So now... One of the brackets is left because we can't get the screw out of the fucking wall. So I, I want to kill my, like, I fucking kill me now with the fucking bracket. Now I have to call the fucking property manager to come and fix it. Okay. <laughs> and now you just landed at your house and you, you went to get your cat because, you know, it's part of the LGBT, you know, if you're a lesbian, I mean, I had cats. If you're a card carrying one anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I am a card carrying, but I don't have any, uh, but you also have, Marilla, you have a parrot and yep. a gecko. A leopard gecko and an African gray parrot. Yes. No dog. Have you ever had a dog? I'm a cat person. I love dogs. Yeah. I love them, but they're so much work, you know, and I don't really have a lot. I don't have a big backyard and, right. you know, pre-COVID, I traveled you know, I, I actually almost got my daughter a puppy during COVID and I'm glad I didn't. Right. Because, you know. Well, um, I have a new joke, Mary, in my act. And it's, it, it's oh. that Lisa, that's the Jew bell, by the way. Anything remotely Jewish gets a rent. So, <laughs> uh, Lisa and I were like, I was like, oh, I really want to get a dog. And uh, so we were talking about it. So here's my new joke. Elisa and I were talking about getting a dog. I want it to be a rescue. She wants it to be a couples therapist. Good night, folks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, Marilla, thank you for doing this. I, I kind of want this interview to sort of be about you because I think you're so interesting. And, like, if, if we start at the beginning, like, <laughs> you know, you read your book. and I thought you meant primordial ooze. No, okay. yes. So, fast forward. But, you know, it's like your childhood. There's there's some normal things about it, right? But the abnormal things are so fucking <laughs> crazy. Like, yeah. it's like, it's not even the, it's not the regular dysfunction of a dysfunctional family. It's that plus Dallas. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> you're the, you're the first grandchild of... Your no. grandparents? I'm the third. I'm the first granddaughter. Daughter, daughter. That's right. I wrote mm -hmm. granddaughter and I yeah. And I know that they really value women in your family. So that's great. So that's why uh, I have so much self-confidence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you grew up in a kind of cool part of Queens, right? Yep. 
So at what age do you feel like you knew, okay, my family is not like everyone else's family? Hmm, that's a really good, you know, I don't think it was a this sudden revelation. I, right. It was little moments along the way because, you know, I, I went to the same camp starting when I was six. I went to the same school starting when I was six. Uh, people in my family before me had gone to the camp in the school. So everybody knew it was like, you know, Right. Um, and also when I was growing up, it was my grandfather who was known and nobody outside of New York knew who he was. Right. Um, and also the camp I went to, it's not like I would, you know, there weren't other it people. It was a sailing camp, right? It was a sailing camp, but there were people that are a lot richer than, and you know, it wasn't that kind of camp. It wasn't like a fancy. Um, was it, was it, were there a lot of Jews there? No, it was oh. very waspy, but you'll be shocked to know that almost every single one of my friends there was Jewish. Okay. Yay. Okay. So your father was a pilot. Um, Your mother was a flight attendant. My mother was a flight attendant. When they started dating, she was a flight attendant. He became a pilot a couple, uh, two or three years later. This was all before I was born though. Right. Because it was the early sixties. She had to quit her job when she she got married. Right. Can you fucking believe that shit? It's, like, it's uh, when I think back, like, all right, you're born in 65. I'm born in 62. Like, like I didn't know that women mm-hmm. couldn't get credit cards without, like, or own property. Like, I feel like the misogyny in this country is, that is the next, that you like, we're dealing with systemic racism now. Yep. But the systemic misogyny is the next big fucking hurdle. I agree with you 100%. Okay, so they get married. Oh, and by the way, after they got, she wanted to keep working. Right. You know, uh, to her credit. So she got a job. They moved it. They lived in uh, Sutton Place um, first, and she got a job as a receptionist or something. And um, unfortunately, like a lot of people back then, she got pregnant almost right away. Right. And had to quit that job as soon as she started showing because right. otherwise they would have fired her. Right. So, yeah, you know, that's like, fair. you couldn't catch a break. Yeah, that's fair. But they seem like they had a love affair. Like, when I read your book, you know, that they did love each other. You know, um, I, I mean, I hope so. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it was, there was definitely attraction. They're both extremely good-looking people. Like, yes. I, I'm not objective, but um, I, my father was one of the most handsome people who's ever lived. And yeah. my mother was extremely attractive. So I think it was sort of that surface thing. Yeah. Also, she's incredibly funny and charming. And she was very much, uh, you know, she thought he was extremely funny. Right, and right, right. Also attractive. But, you know, they were like in their early 20s. Yeah. So who knows? You know, now when someone says, oh, I'm turning 30, it's, and I'm like, you're a fucking baby. Like, <laughs> and my parents got married. My my parents were 41 and 48 when I was born. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and that was, and Elisa, her parents were 21 and 22. And it was like, our life experiences are so different. Like, yeah. So, yeah, it's so interesting because you're sort of being brought up by, you know, children. Okay. So, in school, were you like popular? Were you. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the school I went to was this big, you know, there were, um, it was grades one through 12. There were 350 kids in the whole school. Wow. That's Uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And great. Well, um, grades one through six, there were 20 people in my entire grade. So did you have like extracurricular activities or or in the school within the school? Yep. We had, um, we called it the gravel pit, but it's where we had our sports. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was an athlete. I played, uh, three sports. What'd you play? What'd you play? Well, first field hockey and then. Oh God, that is the dykiest of dykeness. It wasn't my fault. It was the only sport available. Okay. Uh, And then they switched to soccer. I played field hockey too. Good. Field hockey was fun actually, but I like soccer better. Yeah. Basketball and softball but it was again oh, wait, the only spring sport we had so everybody right. i might have to get a, a lesbo bell but uh, we'll keep that. <laughs> okay yeah. and so d- did you basically just socialize with the kids from that school is that was that your like friend base yeah because you know i lived in jamaica and had to take like a 20 minute subway ride to get to school 
So, and nobody lived in Jamaica because of all the black people, you know, right. that's how people said the word black. As I know. It had, you know, anyway, so I was perfectly comfortable with it, but like some of my friend's parents weren't, and it was just a thing. So I spent most of my time in Forest Hills and uh, get your bell ready. My school was like 75% Jewish. So um, that's also another reason, like I didn't quite entirely understand my family's anti-Semitism. Yeah, that's the, th- the thing. I, you know, there's so many prominent Jews in their world, you know, and yet the hatred of, I, I don't know. And, and they, they all went, your, this is a school that your whole family went to, right? Yeah, well, my dad, of course, didn't for some reason. I don't know why. But everybody else did, I think. Um, and Donald had to leave because he misbehaved. Uh, but what? yeah, Wait. I know. I, I know. I'm salt out. Anyone? Okay. I'm so glad you're sitting down to hear that he misbehaved. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he went off to the military academy. But yep, my whole family, my cousin, my oldest cousin, Went there. Obviously, Donald's kids didn't go there. Right. My brother went there for all 12 years. I left after sophomore year. Yes, to go to. Yes. uh, Yes. Yep. To go to. So you went to. All girls boarding school, which is really a bad idea. But who knew? Uh, I just wanted to run away without actually running away. Right. So you're pretty happy, right? You Or you kind of knew. Did you know? Like, when do you think you knew? Oh, my God. My grandparents are really fucked up. You Uh, know. I was, ha- I loved school. I loved camp more than anything. I like- That ha- makes you part Jewy. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't understand this because again, the camp I went to was very waspy. Right. So um, I live in, unfortunately, Long Island right now. Right. In a very Republican, mostly Irish Catholic town. And it's like this- this weird um, idea these people have that sending your child away to summer camp is horrible parenting. But of course the Jews do that, you know? Right, like, right. What are you fucking talking about? Oh shit. I just what? swore twice. I can swear, right? Have we been swearing? Oh my God, I fucking fuck cunt dick. I, I don't even know yeah, why. Yeah. I Cause you know, it's I'm me. on a bunch of yeah. these prim and proper it's. Uh, you know, I have a joke in my act about, you know, that we send the kids to camp, you know, and then all the parents are like, oh, how can you do that? And then like a week later, they're, you're in the grocery store with them and they're like, what is school starting? And so, <laughs> but yeah. it is an interesting thing because for my kids, like I hated camp because I was really tall and everyone was mean to me. But yeah. for my kids, those are, those people are like, that was, that's seven weeks. Did you go for seven weeks, six weeks? Eight. Eight. Woo. At six. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, but th- that's, it teaches you so much stuff. Negotiating, living, you know, it's really, and you're outdoors and you're, I don't know. I, I've, the friends that my kids have from camp are, are like brothers to them, you know? Two of my best friends I met at a camp, one when I was seven and one when I was 12. See, there you go. Yeah. And what, I mean, what was I going to do? Like play in parking lots in Jamaica, Queens all summer? Right, right. You know, because honestly, my two best sports are sailing and archery, which you didn't. What? I know. I know. I'm a, I'm a nerd. Oh, but wow. um, you don't get to play those at school. <laughs> right. You know? So, uh, yeah, you have like experiences you never had. And it's not for everybody. I understand that. But to suggest that it's. A failure of parenting. parenting. Your kid to have like it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Right, of course. And I literally can't imagine my life without it. So it's a little judgmental, right? Because you're you're right. I mean, it teaches you so much. You develop these incredible friendships and skills, life skills. Oh my god, life skills, regular skills. You know, um, right? And learning how to fucking deal with the world without your parents breathing down right. your neck, and in a very very safe, controlled environment. Right. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Did and your I, brother go to um, camp too? He, he went to the same camp, but when we started, it was separate campuses. It was co-ed, I think, in 77 or right. 76 or something. But um, he didn't stay as long. I was there for 13 years. Wow. Um, yeah. But it was incredible. Um, and I think that's maybe part of the reason I wasn't as affected by my family as I might otherwise have been. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and you know, the other thing about my family, 
is I, I think it's like every other family in the sense that you're in it and it seems perfectly normal. Right. And, you know, we all have things that our friends never know about us. Right. That go on behind closed doors. Um, so it's not like my friends noticed anything or, you know, ever thought to ask about it because it was just normal. And it wasn't until I was in college that Donald started getting known outside of New York and people would start, you know, if I ever paid with a check, by the way, the kids, that's a thing that comes in a book that you pay bills with. (laughs) Uh, And, um, you know, use a check or pay with a credit card. That's when people started asking me, so you're related. Right. Nobody asked me that anymore, by the way. Right. I asked you that when I first met you. Did you? Yeah, I think I said, oh, um, I, I, what I remember is, I don't think it was the first thing I said, but I remember asking you and you said, yeah. And I said, I hate him. And you go, not as much as I do. <laughs> Seriously? Okay. Yeah, because I remember saying, I, I, I don't like him. And you're like, neither do I. <laughs> okay, so you went, then you just, you beg to go to a boarding school. Do you think that was a coping mechanism? Like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And your grandfather, like there were some things that you took, like you mentioned a scene where your grandmother opens the door and she's wearing an apron. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like I wouldn't, I never imagined her wearing an apron. Like yeah. cooking or doing anything. Like I just this whole vision of you know servants and no, we don't do that. No, no, no. Uh, they had a live-in maid. Um, when I was a kid, it was Marie. Did you like Marie? She no. didn't really like us because okay. okay. you know we were kids and we were loud, and she tried to stay out of our way. <laughs> right, right, honestly. right. And you know she lives in this little room in the attic. It's like oh my god, you people. Right. Like such a cliche. But other than that, though. Like no, nothing. No, um, and my my grandfather always had a chauffeur, but he was a terrible driver. It had right. more to do with that, I think. And it was his one pretension. But um, no, no cooks, no butlers, um, no summer houses. Right. No traveling. My grandmother sort of prided herself on you know doing the cooking and doing the shopping. Um, I mean, my grandmother got mugged in 1990 because she drove her friggin' Rolls Royce to a grocery store what? in Flushing, Queens no to go way. grocery shopping. Oh, my God. Look, I don't even want to do my grocery shopping. Right. And she was already in her 70s. <laughs> okay, whatever. So, anyway, yeah. I mean, they both, both she and my grandfather lived, I mean, I guess it's not unusual. They lived like people who experienced a depression. Right. You know, my my grandfather's very German mother was quite austere right. uh, in her way. So I guess being flashy was frowned upon. Yeah. So, you know, it had to skip a generation, right. guess, unfortunately, for the rest of us. There's so much. There's one thing I, I so relate to you as a little girl. Like, there's so much bike riding. <laughs> that is so much my childhood. Just getting yeah. on a bike and yep. riding your fucking bike. And it was like freedom, you know? Totally. totally. And, and you, there's so many scenes where you get on your bike and go visit your grandparents, and it seems so fucking normal. You know I love my Liquid IV, that I drink Liquid IV pretty much every day. And I love it because it keeps me hydrated. I travel with it because it's in little packets. It tastes great. It's an amazing product. It hydrates better than water alone, three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks, eight vitamins and nutrients, non-GMO. But here's the best part. You know I've been bragging about Ben, my son Ben, who plays basketball. His team, his entire team, they love Liquid IV. I mean, they are number four in the nation. They are an amazing team. They've done better than ever this year. Dare I say it's because of the Liquid IV? I'm not going to say for sure, but I'm telling you, these athletes love Liquid IV. They love all the flavors, strawberry, lemonade. I love the watermelon. I never give them any of my watermelon. They have sugar-free, white peach, green grape, lemon, lime. It makes you feel great. 
And if you need a little caffeine, the the, uh, lemon ginger is beyond beyond. And I know they use it while they're working out. I'm pretty sure they might use it after a game that they won and went out and had, you know, a couple of drinky poos. But that being said, I love Liquid IV. They're a great sponsor. They're a great product. And I honestly couldn't live without them. And it's winter still. You need to be hydrated. Hydration is very important. So weekends are for going wild, as you all know. Have a game plan for Monday. That's what you need. I just had this conversation with Ben's girlfriend. I said, if you're going to go out and party, you need a game plan. And what's your game plan? Liquid IV. Weekends are for going wild. Have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at liquidiv.com. You're welcome! You then decide, okay, I got to get the fuck out of here. You you went on a tour of all these schools, right? Yep. yep. Um, now, when your parents got divorced, and did anyone talk about it in the family or? You know, it's interesting. Um, my mom actually sent us to therapy. I love your mother. Okay. <laughs> right Which now. Is- right now, I love her. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. However, what was interesting about that though, I was five and like I did when they got divorced. Yeah. Yeah, I just can't believe. Yeah. So you go to therapy. Just was it separate or family? It was me and my brother together. And it was weird because it was the therapist she and my father had gone to. And Uh. um, they had gone there to work it out. And he told my grand, my mother separately that she should get out of the marriage, which seemed odd. Right. Um, so what was weird about it though, was that like my dad's leaving, like didn't bother me. Right. (laughs) I didn't really even notice, you know, right. Like, okay, there's no fighting now. Right. So, um, although, I mean, to be fair, it was good to have that experience normalized because, um, suffice it to say, I've seen my fair share of therapists. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So you go on this, uh, you, you tour all these schools. You only have three weeks, right? Yep. And the Ethel Walker School. Yep. You, why did you pick that school? I had a counselor at camp. Oh, done, done. Yes. Who might known, like, since I was seven, I think. Right. Um, and, I mean, for all I know, she's, like, four years older than I am, but I thought right. she was, like, 40 years oh, older. Oh, yeah, than always, right? yeah. So, you know, um, she was a phys ed teacher and coach at Ethel Walker. And um, is she a member of our party? I don't know. Um, I don't think so. Oh, really? I love straight, straight phys ed teachers. They, um, they're an anomaly to me. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just not, I'm not aware of any relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, her, I know. But, yeah. Uh, so who knows? But um, she put the idea into my head and like, I, I knew that I wasn't happy. Although of course I never would have articulated that to anybody. So it was more like, Oh, you know, um, I want to broaden my horizons. Q forest has like three people in it. You know, I've been there forever. I want to move on. I want a place with better facilities, what have you. And I, you know, Ethel Walker was on the list because of Dunn and she talked it up and said it was great. And I visited, it's amazing. It's like 60 acres. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, like Q Forest could have fit in the quad right. of Ethel Walker. So I actually legitimately loved the school and, um, but they didn't have room for me. I, like I got in, but they didn't have room for me. So I kept looking and um, it was still my first choice. And literally like, th- I don't know, three days before the semester started, they found, they, they found a double that they could turn into a triple. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So you must've been I, thrilled. I was actually because one, yeah, I totally wanted to run away from right. the situation because my dad hadn't been doing well and my brother had gone off to college and it was kind of just me. Right. 
negotiate, or I should say failing to negotiate everything. Right. And, um, you know, it's really also hard to be an adolescent in a school you've been at since you were six. Yes. With the same 20 people. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> I was, I was happy to be running away, but I was also, I, it was an incredible school and I thought it'd be a really good opportunity for me. It ended up not being so because my dad died two weeks after I started. I know that is the fucking. All right. So you get to school. Did you like your roommates? They were okay. All right. Um, my son went to Northfield, Mount Hermon. Oh, okay. To play basketball. I think, I think that's one of the schools I visited. Yeah. Really? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's beautiful. It is. Beautiful. Um, he plays basketball for Tulane now. I heard six, eight. So, um, wait, are they actually playing? Yeah. He's got practice. Like they're practicing every day. Well, yeah, he already got the COVID. So, um, Avery. Really? Mm -hmm. She was all, all the kids have gotten it. But before, like we even knew what it was. She got really cool. And then we didn't know that that's what it was until she got the antibody test and tested positive. Did you, and you didn't get it? No. I'm the only person who did it, though. My ex did. My Avery stepdad got it. Really? Oh, it, the first three weeks were hell. Just as for most people. Yeah, but it, was, it is. Yeah. I awful. know. I was quarantined in my basement. Right. Was up there. It was like, you know, the plague. Yeah. Because it was. Uh, no, it's going away. So, um, sure. <laughs> and so you're new at the school. So the, all the other kids already knew each other. And you're just navigating your way. And then Dunn comes in and says, look... In a weird way, come here. You're watching a movie. You're the the wrong film. Yeah, uh, I love that story. And she's like, come here, and and she tells you to call, uh, your your family. You call your grandfather. He doesn't do it anyway. And you find out your father died. And the first of all, the shock. The I you know I know when it's sudden. My father died suddenly too. And it like I'm not expecting it. I have to say, what I prefer the not expecting it to the long drawn out. I'm gonna say because my mother was a long getting yeah. sick, sick, sick. And my father was swimming; he had a heart attack. So um, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with short death. Thank you. Um, so the sh- most shocking part of that story is that you had to take a Greyhound bus home. Alone yeah. after your fun, like, what the fuck? That is beyond. That no one accompanied you. That no one said, "I'm going to go pick up Mary." Like, that is beyond fucked up. Yeah, I. You know, it's definitely up there. I mean, also by the way, it wasn't sudden with my dad. He had been sick. Just yeah. bother to tell me. So, right. oh well. And he wasn't. It wasn't like with your mom. It was. He wasn't sick for a long time. It was right, a right, couple right. of weeks, but. You know, it was a couple of weeks I was at boarding school and could have said goodbye to him. But um, yeah, and the other thing too that I, I, you know, because when things happen and you're a kid, you think, okay, adults are, that they know what they're doing. Right, of course, you trust so them. just the fact that they didn't have me go to like the dean of students office to have this phone call. Right. Get my dad, was, I was in a the stairwell you, on a right, That you went to... The fucking pay, I was like thinking of my dorm in college. Like you went to the payphone that they didn't say, come in, here's a safe place for you to, the fuck? But you're right. The Greyhound bus is a little worse. <laughs> so, and no one's like, is someone going to get married? Her father? No, no one's like, well, let me pick her. They did pick me up from Port Authority. Oh so God, shut the fuck up. We're, we're on, was that bus ride hell? I, you know what? I didn't sleep the whole night before because I was in shock and I was shivering the whole night. So um, I literally sat down in the bus seat and remembered nothing. Like I blacked right. out, um, which was good. Right. Uh, so and I think luckily, Walkman were just out at that time. So and sorry, I think Walkman had just come out around that time. So, like, if oh. you didn't have one, you were fucking sit, right, sitting, sitting there thinking yeah. horrible thoughts. Uh, so, no, I just passed out, fade to black. And uh, I think, luckily, it was the last stop. Otherwise, I probably would have ended up in, I don't know, Zimbabwe or right. something. I have no idea. Maybe that would have been better. Who knows? Did you, 
so, you know, there's all these struggles with your father's, uh, you know, cause he, he didn't want to be buried. They ended up burying his ashes. It like the, every, any one of his needs or wants or desires was always fucking shot down. But yet you seem like, you know, you seem to have some agency at that time. Like what, what are you doing? Like, that's yeah. not what he wants. Yeah. Um, do you think your grandparents changed after? I mean, like losing a child is, did you ever see a difference in them afterwards? In my grandfather, not at all. I mean, I, I totally honest with you, he couldn't have cared less. Actually, he was probably not relieved to be done with his uh, 42-year-old son. Right. Um uh, no, not not a tear. Not, I I don't even recall his ever mentioning my father again. No way. Oh yeah, there were no like. Oh, remember when Frank? Yeah, yeah. Not, none of that. Um, my grandmother seemed genuinely upset, and um, you know, I thought she was until years later when it seemed that she didn't particularly. I I, I mean, it's just bizarre because I I it seemed like they she loved him they seemed to get along she he could make her laugh like nobody else right. on the planet and yet you know clearly the fact that he died um a not particularly wealthy person diminished him in her eyes i guess right. so who knows i mean if i thought you, she loved me too but i don't think she did do you, if you had to like give a diagnosis to your grandfather for mm-hmm. his what would what do you think? You know, it it's complicated. Um, I I think you could make a case for a bunch of different diagnoses. But do you, I, the no empathy, the no empathy. Yeah. I mean, you know, part of the issue too is that uh, there's something called malignant narcissism. Yeah. Which, uh, I actually I haven't looked at the latest version of the diagnostic statistical manual, but it was not in the last one. I don't right. think it is yet a diagnostic criteria. Uh, but um, that's that's sort of a combination of narcissism, anti-personality disorder, which people typically refer to as sociopathy. Right. Um, so uh, paranoia is a hallmark of malignant narcissism. So basically, you know, with personality disorders, they all exist along a spectrum, just like anxiety, depression, right, right. or what have you. So we're talking about somebody who falls at the extreme end of all of these spectrums. Yeah. So it kind of doesn't matter. Right. You know, you call him a malignant narcissist, a sociopath, right. a psychopath, a narcissist. He's destroying our country and right. he's willfully, uh, through willful inaction, well, killing you, Americans every day. Do you think that, but that your grandfather had the same fucking mental health as him? You know, it's hard to say because the the reason Donald's as bad as he is is because he's in the position he's in. Yeah, he's such a fucking asshole. Right, but a fucking asshole who's just they in his little mom and pop store yeah, in yeah, Manhattan yeah. is very different from, you know, somebody like him in the Oval Office who's right, so right. enabled, right? Right, right. I think my, my, my grandfather was just a born stone-cold sociopath. Wow. Um, you know, I mean, you can't look at how he treated his children and especially my dad. He literally dismantled my father and destroyed him for, for no reason. Right. Except that, you know, he was, I don't know, he was charming, smart, funny. People right. loved him and he right. had skills that didn't right. include real. He was, he was the identified patient when he was really not. Right. See how good I am? I want to do a game. What do you think about this? We do a game show uh-huh. where... People come on and com- and they talk about like uh, fights they have with their friends, and then we have to diagnose what <laughs> mental disorder the friend has. Okay, so <laughs> come on, that'd be so good. We're gonna go with uh, borderline person. So uh, Dr. Trump says borderline personality disorder. Um, so you have to get two out of three uh, yeah. on the panel agreeing. Yes. And then depending what the diagnosis is, like we could have uh, white-coated men waiting in yes. the sidelines. And then we bring the person with- out like, guess what? Great jacket. Yep. Yeah. You have bipolar <laughs> too. Take care. We'll be right back after these messages. I love okay. it. 
So you go back to school and, and is it different? Um, oh my God. It was, yeah, it was horrible. It was well, and a, were people like, oh my God, her father died. But like, I remember when people's parents died in high school and I was like, I'm, I'm overly empathetic to the point of like, you know, like I'm overly sentimental. So you go back, are you branded at like, oh, here's. I mean, I was very hypersensitive about it. Like I remember the day, the night my dad died, I kept saying, uh, cause I actually uh, spent the night on the floor in Dunn's living room cause she was an on-campus faculty person. And I kept saying, I don't want anybody to know. Don't tell anybody. Wow. Like, like nobody's going to find us right. out and I'll just come back and it'll be fine. Um, and I was only away for like two days. <laughs> so, right. you know, maybe I could have kept that secret. Um, but I was really, really hypersensitive about it. And that's when I, I just developed the habits of sarcasm and smoking. <laughs> to deflect, You're a Jew. Right? You're a Jew, I'm telling you. Oh, oh I am an honor. Passover is my favorite holiday. So. Oh. Yeah. Your father, uh, which I love, joined the Jewish frat at his college, the same frat that my son was in at IU. He was so, in Sigma Alpha Sammy. Yeah, nice. Sammy, baby. Sammy. Did your did anyone say anything to him like why are you joining the Jew front? Because probably all right. And you talk about and he was such a wasp. I mean, you right. can't you cannot mistake him for anything else. Right. He was really handsome. I mean, like you look at those photos and it's perfect long body, like sinewy sort of clothes, just tearing yeah. off and perfect. I, I mean, seriously. You know, you can if you look at it now, you can see why they were all like. Ew, you know, we're going to, we have to put you down because you're so much better than all of us, you know? Yeah, well, that was the problem. Yeah. So you graduate, were you a really good student all through grammar school and high school? Because I was, yeah, actually, um, I, I was until, you know, not surprisingly, junior year when, you know, I was able to do well in things like history and English, which were my be- best subjects anyway, but things that required building on right. knowledge like math, physics, uh, yeah. French yeah. were harder because like I couldn't think straight. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I got into Tufts, so I... I know, that's where Elisa went. Woo! You were at school together. God, really? like at the same time? Well, she's a little, she's... When did she graduate? She graduated in 83. Okay, that's when I started. Yeah. Hey everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, I Just Did Chef's Choice, 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing. And so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factormeals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50 
okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D-5-0, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. When did you realize that you were a lesbian? I I, know, I remember when you realized that you could never tell anyone was when your grandmother called Elton John a faggot. Yeah. It's so funny because <laughs> I talk about this a lot. Like, it, like, I knew I was gay, like three. I was like, what the fuck is wrong? Like, I, and, and not until you're an adolescent do you realize, right, oh, right, right. right, right. And, but what do you think it is that you know that you can't tell anyone? Like, no one. There's something weird. Like, my family never said anything about gay people or black people. You know, like, they just didn't say, we, they weren't like that. So, but I knew I couldn't tell, like, what do you, what is that? I think it's, it's whether we realize it or not, we hear stuff in the media. Right. Or back then it could have been just never hearing anything. Right. There's no so representation. There's no representation, you know, or you hear about some experience right. and, you know, that's shameful or. Right. Like, or oh, something. I heard someone's. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I didn't. I I first uh I had a crush when I was 12 on somebody at camp and it freaked me out right. that I just like decided not to think about it ever again cuz that always works. That works really good. If you it does. decide it works. to compartment say nope, not going to think about it, it goes away. It does. It yeah. does, which is why when I was in college. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you don't act upon that at all. No. Mm-mm. Isn't it so awful being like a little lezzy girl and you're in this, like, cause I went to camp cause you're always around girls at, especially our age. They always separated boys and girls mm-hmm. and you're, you're having feelings for like this and you can't tell anyone. And it's like, it's so weird knowing that you have a crush on a girl. And then when they, like, I remember getting jealous when they would interact with other, like, Oh, I'm going out with my other friends. And I'm like, you know, it's just fucking awful that we can't process that. So you had this crush, you didn't act on it, and then you just fucking forgot about it or Oh, I never forgot about it. <laughs> I mean, you know, like you just said. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, then look, there was a lot of other stuff going on. And then my my dad died when I was right. 16, which kind of like who knows what would have happened at, at right. Walker's. I don't know. I know. I was thinking, whoa. <laughs> no. Uh, and then um what well, did you know anyone? there who was lezzing it up at Walker's? Like, did you hear any rumors like so-and-so is? Yeah, but it wasn't a thing. Like it wasn't. Wow. Like, okay. Yeah. I Also, I wasn't exactly plugged into things. Right, I, right. You know, because I kind of checked out right. mentally uh, for most of junior year anyway. Um, right. So, you know, in college was sort of a continuation. I'd wanted to take time off in between, because I knew I wasn't doing well, you know, right. uh, so in between. Emotionally. Was, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'd never dealt with my dad. Nobody did ever. So you know what? So your mother didn't say maybe you should go to therapy again? Well, I, I actually had to leave about a month after he died because I was unraveling. Right. Uh, so I went home. I was home from like mid-October to after I went back after Thanksgiving and, um, you know, I saw the same therapist I had seen after my, when you were five, like, (laughs) wait a second. And by the, well, he, he keeps popping up. Like you go, you guys realize we're in New York. Right. Yeah. There's a, he's not the only, was he Jewish? No, he was, well, I'm not sure if he was or not. Um, but he was South African. Uh-huh. He could have been, yeah. He could have been. His name was... <laughs> Let's give him that. But yeah. You probably don't want him, though. He was awful. Um, so, yeah, I saw him again. And then um, he said to me, maybe you should take the rest of the year off. And I'm like, I'm fine. Fine. Because, right. no. Yeah. Uh, so I was not allowed to take a year off between high school and college. 
So it was just sort of a continuation of the same right. stuff. And so, but I you, get up- it, you get into Tufts, which is a fucking great school. Uh, was that your first choice? No. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> I know that's obnoxious. I don't mean it to be. No, it's fine. It's the only school I got into. It's such a good school. It's a fucking great school. I know. And I'm lucky I got in because I didn't. Oh, wait. I didn't have a safety. So uh, I was very lucky because, you know, I applied to Yale and Brown and Berkeley and whatever. But um, anyway. All right. So you go to Tufts and you're back. Do you ever like you have a roommate? Like, are you having a college experience or are you? I had a shockingly good first semester considering I, my roommate and I didn't get along. What, was she Jewish? She was, but that's not why. Okay, I just want to ring the <laughs> no, bell. No, her name was Buffy. Okay, her, her name was Buffy. Buffy? What the fuck is that? Okay. It was confusing. Yeah. Um, anyway, and, you know, it wasn't her. I, I wasn't exactly together. Right. And also, I had uh, neglected to fill out the form. So oh. if I had, we would never have been roommates. Right, put matched smoking, together. Not smoking, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I was in a suite, so I, I had other friends. And, um, you know, I again, I had a strangely good first semester academically, socially. And then for whatever reason, it just kind of unraveled. So I dropped out of school, second semester freshman year. Wow. Yeah, and I was out for about a year and a half. And I there was a tragedy in my, I lost somebody close to me um, about a year later. And I was like, you know what? I need to go back. I, this is ridiculous. I was, right. I, I was an assistant manager at uh, Barnes and Noble. In you Florida. were? I was. Which one? Uh, 71st Continental. Oh my God. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Remember it was right across the street from, board, there were two bookstores yeah. on the same block yeah. right across the street from each other. because. That's true. That's when we could do that. Yeah. Yeah. You but know, when I you just, came back, when you were off for that year and a half, what was the family like? Or was it like, was your mother supportive? Like, yeah, but it, you know, it was, it was really isolated. Like none of my friends were some, you know, right, so right. it was, it was tricky. So I decided to go back to college because it, that's what I needed to do. And that's right. when my grandfather told me I should be a receptionist and go to trade school. Oh, that's such good advice. Yeah. It was perfect for me because I wanted to get a PhD in English literature. Yeah. So, so I love that you, so you went to Tufts and then you went to Columbia and got your master's and it's all English literature. And it's just so fascinating how you got to this, I, this, this path of becoming a doctor. First of all, I also have to say one other thing because I look, I'm looking at my notes, is that the fact that you used to play Monopoly with your friends and lose every fucking time is fucking hilarious. Okay, so... Um, it actually, you know what? Like, it's so perfect that that happened. Right. Because who could make that up, right? Right. It's so <laughs> funny. And that you were borrowing money and borrowing money and you still... Uh, also, the... Um, the I love that your grandmother made that joke about when your father was supposed to get a heart valve and it was going to be a pig valve. And that was said, my mother. Oh, that was your mother. That's right. Your mother, mom. My, my grandmother would never. Yeah, that was a problem. very I love that, that she said, yeah. it's a good thing you're not kosher. <laughs> and I love that your grandmother was choking at the dinner table. <laughs> Do you really? And that no one In got up. Like, just because it's like you can't make this shit up. You're all <laughs> sitting at dinner. Your grandmother's choking. And no one says anything. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, and my dad saves her. Yeah, your dad Still saves her life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, get your, your master's degree. And it, it, it's William Faulkner. Is that who really uh, had an effect on you? The, yeah. Uh, you the know, Thompson um, family that he used in his, in his work. Is what made you go from English literature? to psychology? Well, you know, first of all, I, would, I was always a reader. So I, I grew up reading every book of science fiction I could get my right. hand on. Well, um, Donald's a reader too. Yes, we have that in common. Yeah. We yeah. really do. We talk about that well, all yeah, the time. Yeah, literature, yeah. Uh, you can imagine how fascinating those conversations are. <laughs> 
I miss them. I miss yeah, them. Terribly. I bet. I bet. And so, the book um, he had a book club too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With one book. They read yeah. the same book. Uh, the Mine Kampf. I think it was called Mine Kampf. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say The Art of the Deal, but. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, right. Did such a but best. He wrote that too, right? Yes, of course. He, he yeah. wrote it and it's the best selling book yeah. other than the Bible. That's right, baby. <laughs> okay. So. So how do you get interested in this psychology thing? Literature is psychology right. in its way. And at, at Columbia at the time, unfortunately for me, <laughs> deconstruction was the uh, the most, I don't know, popular. I don't know what word to use to describe right. it, but uh, everything was from the perspective of deconstruction and wasn't really my thing, but... I took a course um, on psycho- psycho- psychoanalytic theory, uh, which was really interesting. You know, I'd always been interested in psychology because I was in therapy right. like, constantly thought, from yeah. the time I was 16, you know, specifically in psychoanalysis. And then I had no interest in being a psychologist. So unfortunately, it's not some great story about how I wanted to figure my right. family out. I actually <laughs> got disinherited and thought, Oh wow! Um, I need to have a better plan than that because I, I I always wanted to write, right. but it's not exactly. Um, I don't know. It's probably as secure a living as stand up, right? You know? Oh yeah, stand up. Right. You know, you're such a fucking great writer. It's fucking. It, it's so. It, you're amazing. The way you paint these pictures, like the way it's beautiful. I mean, you are such a fucking great. You have to write more shit. So. The Compson family, which ever, like I try, I look, I try to do as much research on my guests as possible. This is a, a, a faux family that William Faulkner used in his work, um, mm-hmm. but they were one. They were a once prominent family. Do you think that's sort of how you, a reason you grasped onto his work? And that- you know what's interesting? I, I read The Sound of the Fury for the first time as a junior in high school. Um, I will be forever grateful to my my junior year English teacher. Her name was Mrs. Nelson. It was an amazing syllabus that she put together. Um, and out of all the extraordinary books on the syllabus, The Sad and the Fury was the one that most resonated with me. And honestly, because I was a 16-year-old whose dad had just died, it resonated with me because I saw myself in one of the characters. Right, right, you know, right. Sort of self-absorbed, narcissistic. Right. Teen- you know, because teenagers are, by definition, little narcissists. Right. Um, plus the tragedy had me kind of raw still. So I saw myself in uh, Caddy Compson as a child who right. was a tomboy. Like her brother, Quentin, describes her. I, I need to memorize this quote because I think about it all the time. He says, you know, she was never a princess or a fairy. She was always a a king or a giant or a wizard or whatever. Right. You know, so she was this tough little kid and uh, smart and um, really in charge, presumably, of uh, herself. And then it's sort of as they grow older and the family starts unraveling and uh, yes, this one's proud, prominent family has to sell off its last bit of land in order to send their oldest son to Harvard. Right. Which was considered, you know, like to make up for not having land anymore. Right, right. Harvard-educated lawyer, presumably. And it always Um, has to be the boy. Of course, of course. You know, but then there's also just the fact that this family was so concerned with, with status and money and the youngest son, Jason, is uh, this cheapskate who, wait for it. Wait, everyone stop. <laughs> yeah. He, years later, starts stealing money from his niece. I, 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 I don't know. I'm getting deja vu here. Yeah. It's weird. And now, yeah. obviously, that wasn't a parallel back then. Right, right, right. That wasn't, as far as I knew anyway, that right. wasn't a thing. But, um, you know, just just the the focus on money and the importance of money and how it, it, it you know, Caddy ended up just running away from the family because right. of it. And then Quentin ended up uh, committing suicide because he couldn't live up to the expectations that right. were placed upon him. That also sounds familiar. Well, yeah, Although with your father, of course. He was killed. He didn't commit right. suicide. You know, and then uh, 
Caddy's daughter, who's also named Quentin, she leaves her behind with her incredibly dysfunctional grandmother and uncle. And, uh, you know, it all in some weird way, because it's certainly not a one-to-one correspondence. Right, right, right. Um, But a lot of it resonated. It's also one of the most stunningly beautiful books ever written. It introduced me to a way of writing that I never imagined was possible. And it wasn't until I I read uh, Toni Morrison that I had that same experience. Wow, yeah. So anyway, long way of saying, yeah, it, it just... A lot of that stuff that happens, it's unconscious. And you find out right. decades later, like, And you stick to it. Yeah, and you go, oh, my God. Yeah. You then go to um, Adelphi and you decide, I'm going to go into... Now, at this point, your uncle, fuckface, is... <laughs> That's his middle name. Yes. Um, <laughs> is, you know... Yeah. He's become the fuckface he is. Yeah. As he got so much more prominent, did it ever have like a shitty effect on you? Like with people like thinking, oh my God, she must be, she must live in a castle with, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, in college, as I mentioned earlier, that's sort of when he started getting known outside of New York. Um, So I, I noticed that um, what, you know, after I dropped out and I dropped back in, people made assumptions about me. Right. That I was a snob. And I was really shy. I still am really shy. So that could come across as aloof. Right, right, And right. distant and snobbish. Um, I was just shy. <laughs> so right. when people interpreted the other way because they thought I was so incredibly rich, uh, which was another assumption that made right. me really uncomfortable because I never felt that. And I don't think I ever was. I mean, I was, don't get me wrong. I was very fortunate in that way. Right, right. But, you know, I grew up in Jamaica, Queens. So, right. you know, I never felt particularly rich. Actually, the first time this happened, I I, I was flying Eastern Airlines home. For the oh, weekend. my God. I remember Eastern Airlines. The yes. shuttle from uh, yes. Boston, from Logan to J- uh, LaGuardia, probably. Yeah. It was like 35 bucks. Yep. So I needed to go home for some reason. And I wrote a check and the guy behind the counter said, so you related? And I, this is the first time I did this and it's, I've done it ever since. I said, nope. And he said, oh, well, of course, if you were, you'd have your own plane. I'm like, yeah, of course I would. <laughs> <laughs> so I never admitted to it after that. And what was really interesting is the older I got, the less people made the assumption you know, pay with a credit card. I would always get asked the question. I'd always say no. But in my personal life, if I met people playing tennis or if I met people at, at grad school, nobody ever, never thought twice. They never even entered their, yeah. Ever. Do you? And think- when they found out, like I made sure I was good friends with them first. Right. And they were like, N- they never believed me. Because you are so, like, I couldn't believe it. You're I so- that is a compliment, by Yes, way. absolutely. Do you think you have- a healthy relationship with money? No. <laughs> really? No, not at all. I mean, obviously money's important, but I never wanted it to be important to me in the way it was to them. Right. I mean, healthy, yes, in the sense that I don't think having money makes you better. Right. I think having money makes you lucky. And right. it means that you should feel an obligation to give something back. Get back. You don't get rich in this fucking country without a lot of help. Right. Especially from the government, which apparently only believes in socialism for rich yeah. people. So uh, in that sense, yes, healthy. But I take it a little too far. Like, I'm not the most responsible person with, like, I'm not extravagant. Yeah, but it's not like you, you're like, you think it's the most important thing in the entire world. Oh, God, no. No, 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 right. no. Right. No, I mean, it's important because of course, of society we live in. Right, right. You know, good luck surviving happily right. without it. Um, and it's, it's incredibly fortunate, you know, I mean, I've gone through periods of my time and I'm not comparing myself to people who are in much worse rates, but right. you know, there have been times when I've had to worry and be careful and right. it's a horrible feeling and I you know. Know, multiply it times a billion and that, right. Yeah, yeah. It's an awful feeling, but I'm just like, I'm not really good with it. Right. Um, you know, I well, don't plus understand. you probably hate it on some level. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with the one and only Mary Trump. Now, if you like the show, please subscribe. 
and leave a review. It helps more people find this incredibly amazing podcast with incredibly amazing guests. Five stars only, please. Thank you. If you have not purchased my book, yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. There's really something wrong with you because you're listening to my podcast, which means you already love me or you love my guest. And it means you need to read my book. It's great. And the audiobook was featured in New and Noteworthy in the New York Times book review. And as I've said before, it doesn't matter because my parents are dead. So please read my book. I'm going to read you a review. This is literally, I'm, one, I'm just going on Amazon. I'm reading a review. I was triggered. I was triggered by this book. I read this in one day and I was disappointed when I got to the end. It does what a good book should do. It makes me want to learn more about the comedians the author discusses. The subject matter is so topical for the state of affairs today. I am worried about our future even more, if possible. Get over yourself and read this book. Okay? That's from Holly. I don't even know who Holly is. But all I know is that you need to read my book. So, that's what you're going to do. You're going to go to my website, judygold.com, or wherever books are sold. But if you go to judygold.com and see my new website, on the homepage, all the order links are right there. You can go to an indie bookstore, you can go to whatever, wherever you love to buy books. And also, please make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all upcoming virtual and, I mean, I've done a couple of in-person, but I'm not really happy with that situation. Um, but everything I'm doing, you can get that on my website or I always post on Twitter and Instagram at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. You know, like Jew Gold, because I'm Jewish. I wish you all health, happiness. Please vote. Please, please vote. I don't care. I'll pick you up and drive you there. If you're voting for Trump, none of this. Don't listen to anything I'm saying and get off my podcast. But listen, it's coming and it's coming soon. Thank you all for listening. And as we always say, so long. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, or, it's Just Kill Me. Oh. Don't forget to turn uh, for part two on Just Kill Me no, it's not. It's just, just kill me. No. Judy Gold's Just Kill Me. Just kill me now. Just kill me now. <laughs>